Hi guys, uh, we're back with our new series of Girls Who Product and today we're joined by Zelanda's product manager, Marta Skasa, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Marta is not only the product manager, she is passionate about providing products that delight the customer and deliver magic. Welcome, Marta. Hi, hello. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you, Marta. And actually, before we start, can you tell us more about yourself? That's always a very difficult question that I usually struggle with. But yeah, I'm Marta, I'm Polish, and I've been working in Zalando since two years now. I'm originally from Warsaw. And before I became a product manager in Zalando, I was working for a couple of years in a startup in, in Vienna. Before that, I was a product manager in Microsoft. And before that, I was actually a linguist and a translator. Um, and yeah, since two years, I'm in Berlin and I'm very happy here. I think it's a great city. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's an intro for myself. <laughs> I know that your background is in humanities, as you mentioned, you previously were working in applied linguistics, right? You also hold two degrees, Bachelor of Arts and Master of Arts in Applied Linguistics from the University of uh, Warsaw in Poland. And uh, as far as I was uh, stalking you on your LinkedIn, <laughs> I found out that you had a six months internship at the Polish embassy in Brussels. Is that true? Yes, it's true. It was some time ago when I was doing actually my, my Erasmus scholarship in Brussels. So on top of doing the Erasmus there, I think because I went to do this Erasmus on my first year, year of university, I was not that much anymore into going crazy during Erasmus time. I, I decided to do something on top of studying and then I applied to the embassy. Uh, of, of Poland there and I think it was a really great time because that was when the Poland has the, had the presidency of the European Union so there was a lot of things to do there but I was mainly focusing of, of translating documents. Did you get to go to some important meetings that you cannot tell me about? I went to a couple I mostly actually was at, I was attending parties in the in the embassy that was really nice I went a couple of times to the to the European Commission uh, meetings and so on. I can imagine, sounds cool. But back then, when you were actually uh, making your path in humanities, did you ever think that you would switch to a more technical field and uh, would dedicate yourself for a more technical side of the things? So actually, truth to be told, I, I think I haven't heard about product management back when I was studying. So as you, as you said, I did my bachelor and master in, in applied linguistics and I was back then very passionate passionate about language. I think I still am, but then I really thought, okay, I want to be a translator. Um, and I spent some time, like a couple of years when I was doing my bachelor, really focusing on like, translating mostly literature and so on. But I quickly realized that this is not something I want to do long term because you basically sit by your desk all by yourself day and day uh, just translating. And even if you translate the best authors ever, I, I just felt it's not something I want to do long term. So once I did my bachelor in, in linguistics, I decided to uh, still continue my path like as a, as a linguist, but I decided to focus on interpreting. So interpreting is like translating real time. So like simultaneous translation, for example, like translating what people are saying in real time, tra uh, translating speeches and so on. So I thought, okay, this is something I would really like to do because it's like more uh, vibrant, more energetic. You really, it's fast paced, a lot of adrenaline. 
So I spent another two years doing my ma uh, master's in that. And then I realized, okay, maybe it's also something not really for me because yes, it's very fast paced, it's very stressful, extremely competitive. And I think also you have to hustle a lot uh, if you want to be a freelance interpreter. So then again, I, I wanted to rethink, okay, what should be my path? And on my last year of, of the university, uh, I went to Frankfurt to do my internship in uh, European Central Bank because I wanted to like rethink my professional growth and where I want to go. And then I was exposed to like last, um, like st latest state of the art translation tools and like really innovative um, ideas still like around, of course, like translation uh, side. And then I think like ideas of being more connected to technology started to sprout. But I think only after I came back uh, to Poland and I graduated, I started thinking, okay, what can I do? And I think st still I didn't know about like there is such thing as product manager. I more st started thinking to going to another university and studying um, natural language processing. So like a mix of um, technology and, and language. And this is, I think once while, while looking at, at opportunities at the universities, I think this is where I got to know about what product management is. And actually what happened then, I started applying to universities, like I, I got accepted, but because I wasn't not sure when I was applying, if I get ac accepted, I also started applying for, for jobs to be just like on the, on the safe side, so to say. Um, and then I got uh, an offer at Microsoft. So I got an offer as a search analyst. So it wasn't like from a role name, it wasn't really a, a product manager, but I think from responsibilities, it was like a junior product manager, I, I, I could say now. And then I had to make a decision, okay, what do I want to, to do now? I also seen that uh, you have a lot of volunteering experience and you work, for example, for Amnesty International, helping them translating the documents. You also do this crazy thing of going to Kenya and teaching English at the primary school at Tulum. To children, right? And by the way, you are also an ambassador for uh, Skills for Jobs. Skills for Jobs, uh, for someone who doesn't know, is a campaign organized by the Euro European Commission, if I'm not mistaken. It. So, uh, while being an ambassador for this program, you mentioned that you are fighting to convince young people that digital skills are vital in today's world. So, how do you think we can fight for a better cause and, uh, let's say, better education? with uh, all things digital. So how can, you know, technology and digital things uh, make our life better? So what I did back then, I, I ran a couple of workshops for um, students, like secondary school and high school students about e-skills. And as you said, I think it's like super important for everyone to be uh, like digitally aware. And what I was trying to, to um, tell them back then, was that you don't have to be an engineer to to be like digital and have the knowledge. You can do so much other things, but it's still important to be aware like what's going on in the technology. Because if you are not fluent, if you are not native, uh, you are basically like la lagging behind. So I was running a couple of workshops. I was talking a lot about what I'm doing at Microsoft and actually that you don't have to have um, Tech, technology or engineering background to do what I'm doing. You can really come from all sorts of different backgrounds and still still be 
like involved either direct, directly in technology like I will, I am uh, or do something on site but I was try really trying to emphasize that it's important to to be aware and like if not you just you just like you are left behind I think in today's world coming back to your volunteering in Kenya let's say let's jump this several years ago um, and um, we'll give you a chance to create a product that would make people's lives better and easier? What would it be? That's a very interesting question. When I was in Kenya and I was doing volunteering work there, like, and when, especially when I came back and I was reflecting on it, like, there is, I think, a very interesting question about how much of the volunteering work, like us people from, from Europe should be doing there because the question raises like are we really helping those people by just like coming there and going things for them so i have like fundamental like i'm questioning like fundamentally like to what extent we should be doing that and i think a much better approach to helping people is like teaching them how to do things so i don't really have a like answer to your question about what product i would build to make world better <laughs> i think it's beyond like uh, myself to like now answer answer this but i think i would like to like really build a product that helps people or empowers them to learn on their own whatever that would be i think like for my for me personally like growing and learning is a super important thing both like professionally but also as a, as a human in my personal life so if i could build a product that helps people first understand where they want to go and what like where they want to go and then help them understand how they can achieve that. If they, I could build a product like that, I, I would love to do it. But what exactly that would be, that's, I think, I cannot answer it right now. <laughs> Even if you, once you get the right education and training, then what about having the opportunities to self-realize yourself? Like a lot of people, once they get this education, they usually move abroad. Do you see any solution that we can come up to actually keep them and motivate them uh, to stay in their country and uh, fight for better, like at home? I think it's a, it's a it's a really good question, also a very difficult one, and I guess I'm not the best person to answer this question because I myself move out of my home country, and to be honest, I don't plan to come back to Poland um, until the political situation is is like sorted because it's not a good political situation right now at all. And I see, and so I don't plan to come back unless something like gets like improved. And of course one can say, okay, but if everyone behaves like you behave, then it's not going to be like getting better anytime soon. But if what I see like seeing, uh, looking at my friends in, in Poland is like people just get tired of like protesting and demonstrating against like the really tough political situation and people just get tired and they want to live their own lives and this is why they move out. So of course, I think we should like fight for our governments to be good for uh, governments. But then at the end of the day, I think one always have to answer for themselves, okay, how much of my time and we have all limited time resources I want to spend fighting and how much time I want to spend working on, on some other things. This is that truth, I think. Like looking at my friends, they were in Poland still like when the, the government changed and, and they, now they start to leave because after a couple of years of like fighting and protesting and demonstrating, nothing changes. And since like some part of the society is fine with what's going on, then you give up at least like 
for some time because you want to focus on other things as well. Do you see any difference in the working environment between working in Poland and Germany? When I was working in Microsoft, I was working also in like very like remote team. So my manager and all my colleagues were in different parts of not only Europe but but the whole world. So then I was more got like exposure um, into like working remotely. So I don't have that much to say like what is the difference like in working culture. But when I work was working in in Poland in this um, smart assistant, the startup, and also before in Accenture. The, I think the more like the biggest difference I see and uh, compared to working here in Zalando is I think there is definitely more diversity here because there are really people from all over the world and not like just one you no know, one two people that came I don't know from France and that's it and we are already you know diverse and uh, international so I think there's much more diversity. I think it's extremely interesting to see how different people behave and act and speak. And what stands behind what like their behaviors because they are coming from different cultures. I think it is extremely interesting. Sometimes it's challenging, of course, as well. Um, but I, I'm really grateful for that that I can expo- experience that. Um, and I think when, once you are in like here in like in Zalando, I, I learned to be more, I like voice my my concerns and voice like basically like what I think and my ideas in a more straightforward and open way. I think in Poland, what I see, like people, when they there is an issue, it's never as straightforwardly um, talked about as here. And I really like it, but I had to learn it. Uh, and I also think like f- things happen more quickly. So there is this drive, this energy, and that is really great. It's flatter, and I think people are not afraid to speak up. And so it, there is no problem most of the time, like, I know if you're a junior to speak to a head, uh, it's still fine. And I think people coming from, from Poland, this is something I had to learn. I will just ask you about your moving experience to Berlin, um, which is quite an alternative place to be. Uh, you know, from my own experience of being also an international student, Erasmus, a crazy traveler, when you come to a different country, you are so much driven to explore everything right now straight away you know and uh, the end of the day you know more about the place than the locals uh, in some cases so uh, what was your own way of exploring Berlin and I also found that you have uh, a very interesting and uh, spooky project on Instagram that is called Berlin School of Visual Merchandising where you actually document uh, the weirdness of Berlin window displays. Um, I'm just wondering, how did your first window display look like that it inspired you to create this project? I, I didn't expect this to, to come up of this conversation, but yes, it's true. It's my Instagram account. Yes, so let me first answer that and then like the whole experience. Uh, about the Instagram, it's basically that while walking around Berlin, I realized that there is some interesting phenomenon going on that people uh, love to put uh, things on their window displays, also like private people when they like in their rooms. So they like to put, I don't know, weird statues, like decorate their windows in a really weird way sometimes, but not like from the inside, but so, so that people on the outside can see it. And same goes for like shop uh, displays. So I started observing this. I was like really wondering, hmm, is it a thing? And then I started like to research the topic, like looking for some hints on the internet. There was absolutely nothing. 
So then I thought to myself, okay, why not start like documenting all those weird windows that I see every day and just make it like a little project for my, for my own. <laughs> and I really, I mean, I, I haven't been traveling around Germany that much, so I don't have like comparison to other German cities, but I've never ever seen it anyone else, anywhere else. So yeah, I think it's really a Berlin thing. And yeah, it's funny. And um, yeah, about Berlin, uh, when you said like moving experience, my first uh, thought was like moving experience, the, the toughest thing is I think finding a place to live here. Like the, the market, the like flat market, uh, real estate is, is crazy. It's really difficult to find a nice apartment. So the times when Berlin was like a cheap, cool city where just come find a like nice place to live and you're done. I think they are over. Also like with Airbnb like coming strong again here, this takes a lot of time and effort. But once you're done with that, so I was uh, lucky enough to find a nice place then you can explore. And I think what I really like about Berlin is that it's very diverse in terms of like every every district has its own vibe. You might like it or not, but it's really different. And, and you don't have to leave the city to feel like very different atmospheres. And the second thing I love about Berlin is, is the nature. So you can really like just take a metro or a bus, spend... Um, 30 minutes, one hour commuting, and you are outside swimming in the lake. And I think it's really cool. Sounds a place to be, a place to be. Actually, the same problem is happening now in Lisbon with the real estate and uh, finding a place to live, you know. But let's see if we can find a solution. For example, uh, Paris, they have prohibited Airbnb. And as far as I'm aware, it's, uh, it's bringing the results. Yeah, I think in Berlin what happened was that Airbnb was uh, not really allowed. You could only rent some part of your um, of your uh, flat. I'm not sure it was 30 or 50 percent. And now they changed something. I heard apparently, and now it's allowed again to rent entire places. And I think this is one of the reasons, not the only one, but one of the reasons that is driving the prices. How does it feel like being a, a woman in product management? Actually, I was um, like reflecting on that and um, in my almost like my entire like past career as a product person, I was working almost um, uniquely with men and uh, and I was always very lucky to have really, really great bosses, but they were all men. Um, and I never, I've never like felt discriminated. I always had very positive experiences with uh, working with men. But the, the truth is, I, I had no exposure working with women. And I think that says a lot about like how the whole, whole uh, yeah, the whole tech industry looks like. And very recently, since like a begin, uh, beginning of August, I, I, I like the, there were some changes, changes in Zalando. And now I'm reporting first time in my life to a woman. And also there are more women in my team. And I, yeah, it was just, it's been like three weeks. So I cannot really tell. So far, so good. I'm very happy. But I think like when I was thinking about this, like I was very happy working with men, very good experiences. But why was this happening? There were no female developers. I think I maybe worked with one or two. Uh, some, of course, some some women designers. Yes, great, great people. But my leads were always men. So I never encountered like any, I never had any bad experiences, but... 
I really wish I had more exposure to working with women because after those all those years is the first time I'm I'm working with women so closely, which I think is crazy when you think about it. So do you think uh, that there is a strong difference of um, gender equality at work in Poland and in Germany? Again, I haven't really experienced. I never had bad experiences as a woman in like workplace. Funnily enough, like during my university time, I was only studying with women. I think like language studies have something to it, like mostly women uh, studied that for some reason or, or the other. But then when I started working, it was uniquely men. But I never had any bad experiences. What what was funny to me is that there were a lot of things when I moved here that I, do, I was used to as a woman in, in Poland, more in terms of like uh, how men and women behave that were not here. Like very stupid, uh, maybe examples, but like opening the door or who pays, or I don't know, on which, even on which side of the street men and women should uh, w walk. <laughs> That's a funny one. It's, it doesn't exist here. So like, I had to get used to like, to the fact that nobody will open the door for me. I mean, it, it's not a pain, but it was like something I was like, hmm, okay, fine. I mean, I don't care, <laughs> but it was, a dif it, it is a difference or like, yeah, that I've never seen anyone like, I don't know, like a guy um, helping a woman to sit like with, you know, with the chair or like putting a coat on, all those like tiny things that I, I was used to in Poland don't happen here. And it's, I think it's interesting, like culturally. So do you think if you come back right now to Poland, um, what kind of expectations would you have? I have no expectations. I don't plan to come back, I think, anytime soon. I think this will change over time. But I have I have no idea to what extent it will change and how quickly, to be honest. Okay, let's maybe talk about your role of a product manager at Zalando. How do you think your work is different from any other product manager at your company? I think I had a really interesting path to where I am today. Uh, because actually when I started in Zalando, um, I started as a product trainee. And it was already interesting because um, I wasn't like, when I was, apply I was applying to Zalando, and then I got a job offer in Poland at the same time and an offer in, in Zalando. And then the, the job in Poland was a regular, like more product owner position. And then in Zalando, they offered me a traineeship position. So I was like, really like, mm, this is a hard nut to crack because I don't really feel like a trainee. But this like the role of what they offer seems really interesting because what, what, uh, like, what the traineeship here in Zalando is about is that you can... First of all, select the team, choose the team you want to work for, spend there around five months, uh, having a mentor and also having a buddy who like helps you and, and is with you most of the time. And then after five months, you switch to another team, then another team, and then you have like a more like a more independent project for three months. So it really sounded interesting, but I was still like, hmm, okay, is it really a right thing to do? Am I like not too far in like product management? already but I don't know I just had a good feeling and I felt like okay I can really learn from the best and I felt like maybe product owner position which was still more not really a product manager but like the the traditional product owner role in Poland is not something I want to do right now and and I just decided to give it a go so so I started as a trainee and I did this for uh, one year so originally it was supposed to run for like one year and a half, but but I, I finished this quickly to become like a normal product manager in Zalando. And I think it was a great 
adventure because I worked for an app uh, that Zalando was developing. I was working for uh, like recommendations, so very backend uh, driven uh, product and a couple of other things. So I got a chance to like meet a lot of people, learn many different things and actually also realize what I like to do most. And after the traineeship, um, so after a year doing that, I, I was offered to um, by my then like ex boss to join his him again his team again and drive a completely new product and and this is what I'm doing since a year now so I'm working on super cool product I think it's extremely innovative what we are basically doing we are providing our customers uh, outfit recommendations so not individual item recommendations that everyone knows but entire outfit recommendations and they are all created by uh, algorithms. So there is no like human curation involved. It's super scalable, super innovative. And yeah, I really, I really like what I'm doing right now. Uh, we are A-B testing the feature now on Zalando homepage. So if you are in the lucky 50% and I know, I think you want, because if you bought something, because like what the customer problem that we identified is that Customers really struggle with matching items that they already bought or are interested in with um, with new items on Zalando. And we are trying to alleviate this problem and show them like recommendations for, for them. And what we are currently testing in Germany is that if you bought something on Zalando, we will recommend you an entire outfit to that. But you won't be able to see it because you would have to buy something on German Zalando. I'm sorry. <laughs> If we are successful, soon we will roll out to all markets. And Portugal, I think, is one of the markets already, or soon will be. So, yeah, stay tuned. What is your normal day as of a product manager? What are the processes that uh, you would like to skip? And uh, what are those little routines that you would love to do every day? The answer is there is no regular day for a product manager. No surprise here, I guess. Um, and I think it really, 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 really depends on the product you are working on. Because I think for like machine learning products like myself, with where like machine learning development or research cycle is long, it's different than on, to someone who works on the app or on more like backend service. Um, I think uh, what we do on Zalando, we have this uh, 4D framework that I'm a big fan of, and it's. Basically, that first you need to discover the customer problem. That's the first D, discover. Then you need to define what problem that you discovered you want to solve first. Then you need to design the solution or a couple of solutions that you then test. And then you deliver the solution. And then you hope you solve the customer problem. And then you do the whole circle again. So I think my, my daily job is a like depending on on which phase are we on is like related to to either discovery or delivery of or design or or definition and what i like personally like most in my like daily work is definitely talking to customers uh, so i think you never can like get enough of that and i think it's the most exciting most rewarding to listen to people and then of course also getting feedback from them like really seeing if you manage to solve their problem or not and it's not like what to do then so also like solving the problems and this is what i love and of course also product management is about especially in big companies it's about like alignment so the like the more 
parts of the company your product touches, the more alignment is required. And of course, alignment is not like always an easy or an even nice thing. But I think the cool part about this is you really talk to a lot of people, um, people with different skill sets, people with different backgrounds, and you can really learn a lot from them. So this is like where, where I take my energy from, like talking to customers but also talking to like colleagues and stakeholders in the company. Actually, there's so many ways to talk to people um, and, and especially to the customers. What is your favorite one? So, I mean, there are many, many ways uh, to, to talk to customers. As you said, you can survey them, you can do A-B testing. I mean, that's not really talking to them, but like understanding what they do more. Or you can do interviews. And my favorite way of interacting with customers is by far those in-depth interviews. So sometimes you can spend like an hour or even two talking to your customers and truly trying to understand first what their problems are. So this is way before you have something to show to them. So it's not use about use testing usability or anything like that, but it's really like at the very beginning when you want to, like you have a hunch that you would like to work on something and then really trying to discover if the problem or the need really exists. And I think it's just... I don't know, for me, at least it's the most interesting and rewarding uh, type of like connecting with customer. And what we did recently in Zalando, we did a, like super huge um, customer research product project um, and different teams went to different countries to talk out to our customers in those countries. And I went to Manchester with a couple of other colleagues. And we basically went to those people's houses and we spent two or two and a half hours listening to them about like what, not only Zalando, because a lot of them didn't even know what Zalando is, but what fashion means to them. And they were showing us our wardrobes and like really opening up. For me, it was like really, really interesting experience. What is your spirit animal? What is your superpower? I don't know about animal. I mean, I love lizards <laughs> because... I, I can just lie in the sun like lizards for, for ages. Um, and my superpower, I think, and I probably, I don't know if such kind of animal exists, but I really, I think I'm really good like uh, um, with um, getting people together, like driving like them to work together on one goal, like being very enthusiastic about it and like like really working as a team. And this is what I really enjoy. So um, I think I have a lot of energy and a lot of passion to what I do. And I think I can also like inject this in, into other people. And what advice would you give to the girls who want to become product managers? I think like looking at my past, I think, for example, what you see in Poland, I still don't see that many product management jobs. And I think in those countries, it's even more difficult. But what I would recommend is I think good one good way of getting there is um, starting going meetups because I think meetups are everywhere and I think meetups are a great place to learn but also to network and also I think to better understand in what direction you would like to go as a product person because again like there are so many different products so I think going to meetups really helps I'm, I'm often very very inspired by, inspired by um, medium posts and you can always drop those people the email. And I think like people, especially like, I, I don't know, especially, but I think women want to support other women. And if someone like reach out to me and ask me if I can, I don't know, connect, talk, get coffee, I would be more than happy to do so. So I think it's really not about like being shy and 
not asking, but really reaching out because I think most of the time people will be open to help. Um, and then just, I mean, this is something that I am still learning is being like really pushy and, and even you, you cannot have all the knowledge and you are constantly learning. So just like asking for help, seeing what's out there and just like pushing for, for what you want to do. It sounds a bit corny, but I think that's, that's, that's the way to go. <laughs> Ladies who would be at Productize Conference uh, 2018, you get a unique chance to meet Martin in person. And she already said that she would be really happy to go for coffee with her. But in Portugal, people just don't drink coffee. They have also pastel de nata with it. For those who don't know, pastel de nata is a traditional Portuguese uh, pastry uh, that tastes like heaven. That's something not to me. So two things in Lisbon, Productize Conference 2018 and pastel de nata with Matt from Zelanda. Thank you very much. It was a really interesting interview. Um, enjoyed it a lot. Um, and um, we'll keep in touch. Definitely see you soon in November. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me.